the strong emotions or attitudes that are raised over dancing. I've noticed that while most people in our congregations are not expert singers, most still participate in singing. But when it comes to the idea of dancing, there seems to be great hesitation in participating. And when I question people about that, the answer I usually get is that they don't want to look silly. I don't think I've ever had a person use a biblical reason for their refusal to dance in worship. It's the vulnerability factor at their lack of the X factor that is the issue. So what if I ask you to think about dance and faith? What comes to mind? If any ideas or images come to mind at all, they're most likely related to dance in a worship context, something along the lines of what Emily did here today. And while dance and worship can be beautiful and meaningful, it's not what we're focusing on today. Instead, I'd like to have us look at Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, the Great Commission, and then apply that scripture to what may be a slightly new view on dance. So we all know this scripture. You've heard it many, many times. You've read it. You've done exegesis on it. You've studied it in classes. So go ahead and say it out loud with me now. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good. So I'm not here to teach you about what that means. You've got Bible profs and theology profs and profs galore. They can help you with that far better than I can. I want to talk to you about doing it. How have you been called, gifted, and equipped to go and make disciples? What gifts do you have that can be used to grow and serve the kingdom that may be outside of what we usually think of? When I first started at Div School, the idea of dance and discipleship never even crossed my mind. I was a dancer and a dance teacher long before I ever became a Christian, and dance was an integral part of me, yet I never suspected that God would be able to use such a thing for his purposes. Dance was what I thought of as fluffy when I would look around and see the amazing ministry that others were doing. I would listen to incredible preachers and think, what do I have to offer that could be nearly as impactful as that? It wasn't that I was envious exactly. Actually, yeah, I was kind of envious. But it wasn't that I begrudged them the gifting. It's just that I wanted the same one. But despite that fact, and despite the fact that I personally experienced the physical, emotional, and spiritual impact dance could have on a person, I never thought of it as something that could be used to share the gospel, to teach people about Jesus, to encourage followers in their faith, to build relationships and connections between the church and the community. That realization came on gradually during the time I had at ABC. So I'm sure it won't come as a shock to any of you that church attendance is declining. Each church I've pastored in has stories of the glory days. In the past, when weekly attendance was so great, they had to open up these other doors so that there was room for everybody. The days of living in a culture when, where one could assume the majority of their neighbors would attend Sunday morning service and be part of the, their community church are gone. We're in a state of crisis. 
And when I say that, I don't mean because of the possibility of churches closing. We're in a state of crisis because more and more people are journeying through life and dying without ever knowing Jesus. And even worse, not even having a clue as to why that matters. Our culture has changed dramatically over the past few decades, but unfortunately, in many respects, our local churches have not continued to journey alongside the culture. Now we've come to the point where it's essential that something be done to change the present trajectory. The time has come to get creative in our thinking and get focused on our mission. As Rick Richardson states in his book, Reimagining Evangelism, the time has come to examine and perhaps jettison our old paradigms and pictures of evangelism. The time has come to reimagine how we picture and practice sharing the good news about Jesus. The time has come because the old pictures and practices are not wearing well and aren't working well. People in our culture are not responding and people in the church aren't excited or engaged. Some churches are finally coming to the realization that the same methods that were used in the past to reach people for Christ are not necessarily the best options for today. If we're going to reach out to the unchurched in our communities, we need to let go of some of these long-held traditions and beliefs if they do not assist us in helping the lost to find Christ. It's time to get real and focus our mission that Jesus himself commands of us. Go. Key word here, folks. Yet we don't have to go very far to reach the mission field. It's right outside the door of every local church. Go and make disciples of all nations, or I really like the NIRV, which puts it, so you must go and make disciples of all nations. But what has any of this got to do with dance, you may be asking? How does dance have anything to do with the Great Commission? Well, in order to make disciples, first we have to meet them. <laughs> it wasn't really supposed to be funny, but... <laughs> Unlike our church population's attendance in dance schools in the Atlantic provinces has been steadily increasing over the past 20 years, with growth being seen at an average of 8% over the past five years, according to the schools I spoke to. It's clear we find more students of both genders in dance classes than we do in our churches. Average attendance in one small rural community I researched was 75 students at the local dance school, eight children at the Baptist church around the corner. And those were the numbers according to the pastor there, so I'm assuming she wasn't lying. In another example in the valley, the local churches have an average of 10 kids in one, and when I say kids, I mean kids to teens. Um, and in the other one, there was about 25 to 30 whereas the local dance school in that area had over 250 students of the same demographic. If we're going to take the advice that Reggie McNeil writes in his book, The Present Future, we need to go where people are already hanging out and be prepared to have conversations with them about the great love of our lives. We need to realize that one of the places that they are is in the dance studios. But how do we meet these families unless we happen to be a dance teacher? One method of accomplishing this is to adopt local dance schools and bring them into the ministry of the church. Many of us serve in churches that are in older buildings. Within these buildings are beautiful wood floors and large open halls. The biggest challenge to our dance studios is lack of space. A relationship can be built here. But who's going to oversee the dance? First, look within your congregation. Since stats shows that there are as many dance schools across Canada as there are elementary schools, 
chances are very good that you have dancers within your congregation. Here is a way to connect with some older teens who may be struggling with how to use their gifts. You who could be encouraged in their faith by allowing them to use their creativity in a way that is focused on glorifying God. I would also suggest you contact the dance teachers in your area. When I was doing research for my MA, I reached out with a survey on a social media site for dance teachers in Nova Scotia, and I was surprised by the number of teachers who contacted me because they were not just dance teachers, but also Christians, and I had opened up a line of communication they had been looking for. As one woman put it, you mentioned the two loves of my life, God and dance, so I knew I had to get in touch with you. There are teachers out there who would like to be more connected to their churches and would like to be able to share their faith more openly with the students, but are struggling with how to do so. They and their students need ongoing discipleship from our churches, and you can leave the dance instruction to the experts. One other point you may want to consider. Every church I know has some kind of youth group, or at the very least, wishes that they had. I've led youth groups in each of the churches I've been in. And if I'm lucky, I get to spend maybe an average of two to three hours a week with those teens. Would that be fair to say for most of us? I spend an average of 15 hours a week with my dancers. If I was able to have my studio in my church think about the possibilities for the church, not just by having groups of kids and teens coming through their doors on a regular basis, but also their parents, think about the opportunities to connect to build relationships, and to make disciples. The majority of the dance students and their families I've spoken to do not attend church on a regular basis, not because they are anti-church or of other beliefs, but rather because the dancer and their family is in classes, rehearsals, or competitions, or performances most days of the week, including Sundays. And parents are driving and or volunteering in some capacity for that activity. If the studio is part of the church, you can avoid the conflict of time by scheduling around Sunday worship and other discipleship activities. Over the past 25 years of teaching dance, primarily in the Maritimes, I've taught several students who identify themselves as Christian. The number, I'm happy to say, is actually increasing. But none of them have been able to do more than attend Sunday service on occasion. They are unable to be part of a youth group, and most of them have never been asked to use their gifts of dance in the church. Of the students who are now adults that I've taught in the past, none of them are presently connected to a church, but they are all still connected to dance in some capacity. God is on mission, and we as his church are called to join him in reaching the lost. That is our fundamental purpose as believers in Christ. How we carry out that mission leaves open all kinds of possibilities. It requires the church to reflect on how it does mission, because it's not about the local church having a mission that it acts out, but rather the church is supposed to be the tool that God uses to act out his mission in that particular community. There are many adjectives that may be used to describe our present culture, regardless of whether your context is urban or rural, postmodern, secular, consumerist, determinist, or nihilist are but a few. It's important that the church understands how people in our communities think, why they come to some of the conclusions about the big questions that they do in order that we may find ways in which to connect with the people in our neighborhoods with the good news of Jesus Christ. Although it's true that the gospel message does not change, how we relay it to those who do not, know, do, do not yet know Jesus should. 
What worked for the early church in their ancient Roman culture will not necessarily work today, nor will evangelizing using tools and methods that worked in the primarily Christian worldview context of even a few decades ago. My dancers are all unchurched. They train six days a week. So regular church activities are simply not a realistic expectation. However, through dance they have come to engage with scripture, learn theological principles in order to dance them, and have become connected to various local churches. These girls have such a positive experience in our local churches that they feel welcome and comfortable in every church that they visit. They probably have a more positive view of the church than most of us here today. The amount of time we spend together training, touring, traveling, and competing has blessed me with the opportunity to really know them and for them to really know me. It also allows me to have a trusted relationship with their parents. The discussions I've had with parents about prayer, the Bible, and about faith are too numerous for me to mention. Because I also teach dance in a secular context, I'm not always in a position where I can initiate faith conversations. They do come up, though, frequently. And I want to share one experience with you. I was teaching a class one night, and I was wearing one of my Jesus sweatshirts, the one with YOLO, you only live once, and Jesus coming out of the cave saying, psych. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so um, I wear them on purpose, actually, because they are conversation starters, as it was this evening. And uh, the students asked me what it meant. So I was explaining it, and one of the girls said to me, I've never been to church in my life. And I said, that's okay. I never went to church when I was young either. And she said, well, I have a Christian friend, and she told me I'm going to hell because I've never gone to church. And I said, maybe you need to find a new Christian friend. <laughs> but then she said, is it true? Am I going to hell? Is this? And I'm thinking, like, how does she think that this God who she doesn't even know wants her to go to hell. And this was a serious question that she had. So we had a chat about it with all 14 other dancers in the room. We talked about it. And then we went back to dancing. The following week, I came into the studio. She was in the waiting room and she said to me, crap, I'm gonna start crying. Um, <laughs> she said to me, I had this dream after the last time we spoke about God. And I said, oh, what was the dream about? And she said, I dreamt that God came and talked to me and told me that he loved me. <laughs> the kid has never entered a church. Her parents don't have any particular beliefs either way and don't attend church. Who would this kid have talked to about this if I hadn't been there? Remember what I told you about that I thought earlier about dance being fluffy and not very impactful? I've stopped believing that. So as you can see, dance can be an evangelism tool that can help us in the Great Commission by giving us the opportunity to meet many who have not come into a transforming relationship with Jesus. It can give us the opportunity of greater time to spend with those we are building relationships with. And I hope you are connecting some dots with your own giftings that may not, you may not have considered before. However, Jesus calls us to do more than meet them. We are to teach those we are connecting with about Jesus and what it means to be a disciple, to follow him, and to baptize them. In my experience, though, that takes time. 
I have yet to have anyone I share with come to an immediate decision for Christ. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it hasn't happened to me. For me, it's been about ongoing building of relationship, of sharing stories, of ongoing teaching, answering questions, which eventually have led to people coming to Christ and my having the privilege of baptizing them as we are commissioned to do in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through dance, I have been given the time to build those relationships. One of the reasons for resistance to this kind of ministry happening in the church that I hear about is that dance has become so sexualized that it simply isn't appropriate to bring it into the church. They have a point. Let's face it, if you watch any of the reality-based dance shows on television, you will see that dance in that context has become hypersexualized even in regards to children. But instead of backing away from the challenge, why not step into it and allow us to have an influence over this aspect of our culture? I teach dancers who like to compete. I'm not a fan, but the dancers enjoy them, so I choreograph routines for competitions and attend the events as well. When I first started going, I was blown away. Not by the wonderful level of dancing, because for the most part there wasn't any, but instead, I was shocked by what was considered to be family-appropriate choreography and costuming. But most of all, I was shocked by the behavior of the parents. Understand me when I say this is not all dance parents, but there are some. Not only do these parents have no compunction with their dancers dancing in ways that would not be out of place in exotic dance clubs, but I sat in the audience at competitions and witnessed fathers catcalling their daughters on stage. I was horrified. But then I realized what a huge mission field was right in front of me. And I started trying to see how I could open up the possibility of people meeting Jesus in such a context. The plus side of the complete openness of what is acceptable for choreography is that while it allows for all sorts of garbage to be performed, it also allows for scripture to be danced. We brought dances of several psalms, the story of Esther, the fall of Lucifer, and several others. While the scriptures are not read during the routines, people are still moved by what they witness. And the dancers themselves are brought into a closer relationship with God through learning them. Often we're approached by other dancers and parents asking what it is about what we do that moves them so. The spirit is able to work through people regardless of the time or place. We just have to let it happen. Discipleship does not, or sorry, discipleship does happen at these events too, and not just from me. My dancers were at a competition without me last year, and they decided to start a prayer circle. So now they pray before they dance. They don't go off in a corner to pray. They form a circle in the middle of all the action where people are practicing, and they pray. I see others looking at them, and I wondered if people would start making comments. Instead, other dancers have started praying. I don't think it was just because we started winning everything. I came out from backstage one time rushing to a dressing room and I saw a circle of dancers who I also teach but at a different school. And I didn't clue in at first to what they were doing. But then as I was rushing past, I recognized the Lord's Prayer being prayed by the group. These were dancers who for the most part are attending churches, but this was the first time they had connected their faith to their dancing. 
My dancers who are in the beginning stages of their own faith journeys are already reaching out to others, making disciples, as they are only just becoming disciples themselves. While the dance you saw today was more of a worship-oriented focus, I believe that there are many more ways to incorporate dance into the discipleship ministry of your church. I've also used dance to teach Bible stories, theological concepts such as perichoresis, as well as a way to help people of all ages memorize scripture. I happen to use classical and contemporary dance techniques in my teaching, but that doesn't mean that other dance styles can't be used to do the same thing. The important thing to realize is that the level of understanding on the part of the dancer, the level of engagement with the scripture or theology of what they are dancing in order for them to dance it for others is a deep and personal one. My dancers always study the scripture they are dancing, and even better, they remember the lessons they learned from it. We did a dance several years ago about the women outside the tomb. A lot of teaching about the scriptures went into that, the process of them learning that dance. Then we didn't perform it for a few years. When we went back to it again for another engagement, the girls remembered everything we had talked about. They even taught the story to the new dancers who were taking part. I just listened and I was blown away by how well they remembered it all. And think about the three dancers, very unchurched at the time, that I had to teach about the Trinity in order for them to dance Harry Poesis. So, three girls, <laughs> um, and we had our first rehearsal. It was a two-hour rehearsal, and I started explaining that each one would represent a part of the Trinity. So we had the father, and so she was all excited because the father must be the greatest. And then I said the sun, and she said, oh, I love the sun. And I'm like, not the sun in the sky. This is about Jesus. And then the third one, I said, you're the spirit. Oh, excellent. I can go through walls. And I'm like, no, we're not talking the ghost of Christmas past. So that was where we started. <laughs> and so we talked about it. And we talked about what perichoesis was and the flowing in and out without one ever um, getting less than and all of them together uniting. And at the end of the rehearsal, they started getting into one of their little fun debates about who was greater than the other, and I'm, I represent the father, so I must be the greatest, because without the father, there'd be no son, and then the son, no, because I was the one on the cross, so I must be the one that's most important, and then the one stopping it all and saying, no, you guys, we're all equal and united together, we make this thing called God, and I'm like, that's not bad for two hours. I challenge any of you to try and teach that <laughs> in less time. Discipleship is an ongoing journey, and dance can come alongside it, regardless of the age or stage of the disciple. I often teach workshops for seniors on how to dance scripture. I take them on a creative process that allows them to engage with scripture on a very personal level, which in turn assists them in remembering the scripture. If mobility is an issue, movement can be adapted to allow for that. If you thought the dance ministry was only for the young, let me assure you that there is much work being done right now with dance and the elderly. And for the record, dance is also one of the easiest, most inexpensive ways to encourage intergenerational ministry in your church. You just need music. Discipleship is for all ages and stages, creating, engaging with scripture, and experiencing God together. 
There's a vulnerability factor that comes into play when you bring dance into the equation. As I mentioned at the beginning, people don't want to look silly in front of other people. And with dance, many feel exposed, but it's in that state of vulnerability where we are most likely and able to connect with the experience of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we do not just accept the gospel on a surface level of understanding. We experience our faith in deep and emotional ways. We feel our faith. Perhaps this is what we need to focus our evangelism methods on instead of thinking of sharing the gospel. Think of helping people to experience God for themselves. When we think of sharing the gospel, we tend to think of telling a story or maybe telling a bit of our story. But mainly we share scripture and try to explain it, when in actuality it has to be experienced to be learned. I understand the word experience in this context is sometimes misused and misunderstood, but connecting with God is an experience. Coming to faith and being transformed into a new creation is something that must be felt to be understood and accepted. And today we're called to reach a culture that's not interested in religion, but they are interested in the spiritual. To a culture not interested in following rules, but are seeking community with people who want to live their lives for something bigger than themselves. Our neighborhoods are full of lost souls who want to find hope in what most generally consider to be a hopeless world. Using dance as a medium with which to not only express these feelings of hopelessness and emptiness, but also to communicate the good news of the gospel in such a way that they can feel, see, and hear it is one way to help free believers to connect with Jesus. The time has come because our culture is shifting. We are moving from a modern, rationalistic, technique-oriented culture to a more imaginative, experiential, and story-oriented culture. In order that we may speak into the lives of our neighbors today, we must learn to speak a new language that is understandable to the unchurched. The language of dance can be used to communicate our love for God. It's important that we realize different languages need to be implemented in our conversations with the unsaved. There's a great book by Leonard Sweet that I love called The Gospel According to Starbucks. And in it, he writes about this need for different languages when he says, is there only one way to say I'm a Christian? Or do you know God? If I am talking to someone who is not immersed in the evangelical world, how can I communicate if I speak only one dialect? the in-house lexicon of formal religion. The language of dance can be instrumental in allowing us to connect with those outside the church. Dance can speak their language, and in such a way as to open doors for further discussion, because it's not perceived as threatening or even religious. But rather, it allows for an existential experience that can have a powerful effect on the heart and the mind. And I encourage each of you to find your dance the gift that God has given you for the purposes of furthering his kingdom. Dance is that language for me. The gift that allows me to connect with people who, in the regular course of things, would never enter a church and would probably not even have Jesus on their radar. It's created opportunities for deeper relationships and connections to God and to others. Maybe dance is something that is possible to incorporate into your ministry context, either through yourself or by connecting with someone else. Maybe it's not dance, but something else that you can do that is a part of who you are, that God wants you to use to go and make disciples in your context. But whatever it is, I encourage you to think outside of the usual on this one and to use my kind of vernacular. Join God on the dance floor.
passionately stepping out under his leading and inspiring others to join the dance.